very quickly, let me just mention as well, before I get into what I have for you today from scriptures, that in two weeks we'll begin a new teaching series here on the Holy Spirit, a topical study of the Holy Spirit. We're calling it uh, Holy Spirit Come. And we'll be talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I hope you'll plan to be a part of that with us. If you know people who have questions about the Holy Spirit and have been wondering about the Holy Spirit, invite them to come and join us. I believe it'll be helpful and meaningful for them. One week after we kick off that series, we'll start our first small group study of the year, uh, a study that I, I, pray, I hope and pray the entire church will go through together. We're calling this study, uh, When the Spirit Comes, and it's a study through the book of Acts. The idea is we will read together through the entire book of Acts in about eight weeks. It'll be three or four chapters a week. Uh, each week, I'll post some uh, material for you, very simple, very short, maybe a five-minute video uh, with a thought from the reading and then uh, one or two thought questions. And uh, so we're encouraging everyone in the church to read through the book of Acts during this time and to go check out the materials uh, during this time. And then the real kicker is, the, the, the key uh, to the whole thing is, we're asking everyone to commit to gather once a week at least with one or more people to talk about what you're reading, to talk about the materials we're posting, to pray for each other, encourage each other, and walk with each other through this. Uh, uh, we believe that's very, very, very important. We'll, there'll be support. We'll have opportunities for questions and feedback. Uh, and, and let me just say, you can absolutely do this study by yourself on your own. Uh, you can read the book of Acts by yourself. And, and you can go online and check out this, the materials we provide by yourself. And that's better than not doing anything. Uh, but I am moved by the Lord that, it, that we really need to be gathering together again in smaller groups. And we had a, a strong small group ministry before COVID. Since then, uh, when, when the groups were closed for time, many have struggled to get back going again. And I really believe the Lord is saying, we need this. You need this as his people. And so I want to encourage you to uh, please, please, please uh, find somebody they'll meet with that fits your schedule, and, and you can create uh, your own group. You were created for community. The church was created as community, and I promise you'll get more out of the study if you'll do it with somebody else. And remember, part of the idea here is you can do this with anybody you want to, anywhere you want to, anytime you want to. Uh, if you're a night owl and you've got a couple of night owl buddies, you can get together every Tuesday at 2 a.m. at Waffle House and have your study, and God bless you, just don't call me with a question uh, uh, while, you're, while you're in the group. You know, if, you're, if you're a night owl, you can get together at 3 a.m. over FaceTime. Uh, you don't have to even be in person, but we're begging you, find some people, commit to get together with them every week as we walk through this study together. And, and by the way, you're not limited to just the wonderful people in this church. If you've got friends or relatives or coworkers who have, you think might enjoy reading through the book of Acts, invite them to join you. Bring them to your group. Start a group with them. Use this Bible study as an opportunity for outreach, but please plan to be a part of that. And one last thing before I jump into what I have today. In terms of the Holy Spirit study, if you have questions about the Holy Spirit yourself, maybe a passage of Scripture that's always baffled you or some aspect of the Holy Spirit and the life of the Holy Spirit within the church that you would like to see addressed during that study, please let me know that. Uh, if you'll email the church office questions or thoughts or, or any way we could talk about this, I, I can't promise that I'll get to all of it, but if you've got questions, I do want to know that. And so if you'll send that to the church office, we'll see if we can't uh, work that in. Uh, good? <clears throat> we good? Holly, then would you stand with me, please, as you're able to do that as uh, we get ready to look uh, for a few minutes at the Scriptures this morning. And just to get us focused and moving, we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I'll read the plain text. If you'll join me in reading the highlighted portion, that way we'll walk through the passage together. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning verse 1, this is what the Bible says. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord, this is the word of the Lord. And you may be seated. Now what I want to take just a few minutes this morning and really, really focus on is the part in verse 2 where the Apostle Paul writes here, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. And I'm, if you know me well, you know I'm a little bit of a nerd, particularly when it comes to words. And, and Paul uses some words here in a very interesting way. In fact, he uses two particular words, uh, two Greek words, hagiadzo and hagios. They're two forms of the adjective holy. Hagiadzo is a verb form. Hagios is the adjective form. And he puts them really close together. So when he writes to those sanctified, that's the verb hagiadzo, uh, it could literally be translated to those having been made holy. So you end up with the kind of odd salutation. To those having been made holy in Christ Jesus, called to be holy. And I really want to focus on this for just a few minutes this morning. The idea that having been made holy, you're now called to be holy. Now, to be honest, I don't find a whole lot of people these days who who seem all that uh, uh, interested, or certainly at least not talking all that much, about the concept of holiness. But the bottom line is, Holy is God's standard. Holy is God's expectation. In multiple places in the Bible, the Bible records God himself saying to his people, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. Old Testament and New Testament, be holy because I am holy. But I wonder if you've ever read those passages and thought, I'm not sure I can do that. I wonder if you've ever read those passages and thought, you know, whatever else I am, I'm not sure holy is it. And if you're here this morning and you've been struggling, if you're here this morning and you know, There is something in your life that ought not be there. God doesn't want it there. You don't want it there. But in spite of your very best efforts, it's still there. If that's you this morning, and most especially if that's you and you're considering throwing in the towel and surrendering to it, I really want to talk to you for a couple minutes. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, since coming 
to the Lord Jesus Christ, since I surrendered my life to Christ, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Lord has worked some remarkable changes in my life. I can tell you with absolute confidence I am not the person I used to be. And yet I can tell you with just as much confidence there are still areas in my life where I continue to struggle. Now this particular stage in my life, those are rarely things I make a, 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 an intentional decision to do. They're more often things that just suddenly pop up in me. Do you know what I mean by that? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It, what I'm saying is it's, it's really not that common anymore, honestly, that I'm tremendously tempted to go off and do something I know I shouldn't. Rather, my problem is the ungodly things that just pop up in me without ever asking permission. Things like impatience, thoughtless words, flashes of, of temper. I can tell you, it, it really doesn't happen in my life that somebody does something I don't like, and I step back, take a few moments of deliberate uh, consideration, and, and, then, um, and then make a quality decision to snap at them and say something sarcastic. That just doesn't happen. However, it often happens that someone will do something I don't like, and instantly, without any thought at all, I will snap at them and say something sarcastic. My mind works very quickly. And so all too often, I'll express a thought or an emotion without taking time to consider if it's a thought or an emotion that ought to be expressed. Or if it's being expressed in the way or in the tone or at the time it ought to be expressed. I hate it when that happens. And yet, it still happens. And the really frustrating thing for me is that it happens without my explicit permission. It happens so quickly. It happens so naturally. It, it, it's almost as if I'm wired for it. It's like I'm hardwired to sin in certain ways. Over the years, praying through some of these struggles, I have been occasionally tempted to throw in the towel. To conclude, this side of heaven, I'm never going to master this hardwiring. To conclude that for now, I guess this is just who I am. And so, we'll all have to deal with that. But here's the thing. Actually, two things. First, the hardwiring is really there. It is part of my brokenness. It is a real thing. Your particular brokenness may be very different from mine. You may have the patience of Job. But instead, you tend to be hardwired perhaps toward self-pity or depression, toward laziness or judgmentalism. Maybe you're hardwired toward a struggle with lust and a soul-crushing pornography habit. Maybe you tend to give up too quickly. Maybe you cuss too much. Maybe you think too highly of yourself or you get defensive when people try to help you. Maybe you lie a lot. Whatever your particular brokenness is, your particular bent toward a particular sin, 
it's likely you already know exactly what it is. At least, if you've ever given any thought at all to the holy life God's called you to. So the first thing is, whatever your particular challenge, it likely really is a challenge. A hardwired part of your unique brokenness. That hardwiring, by the way, in case you're curious, comes initially from the fall. And then it's aided, sometimes by genetics, sometimes by environment, sometimes by our friends, sometimes by our upbringing, a whole host of other factors. But it's all there, and we all have it somewhere. So the first thing is the hardwiring is real. And the second thing is, if you're a born-again child of God, a bona fide follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then that hardwiring is not who you are. God wants your identity to be in Christ, not in your ongoing struggles. God wants your identity to be in Christ, not in your biggest mistake. God wants your identity to be in Christ, not in your most recent failing. In Christ, you simply are not a collection of all the things you've done wrong. And that's what I want you to get out of 1 Corinthians 1-2. Paul writes there of those who, having been made holy in Christ Jesus, are now called to be holy. You see that? If you are in Christ, if you are a follower of God through Christ, you've already been made holy in Christ. So now God's calling you to be what he's already made you to be. You're called to be what you already are. Is God's way of saying, be yourself. And it has nothing in common with what the world means when the world says to you, be yourself. God is calling you to live out through your life that which Christ has put into your life. And here's what I want to assure you of this morning. Whatever God may be calling you to change, no matter how difficult it may seem to you, he is not telling you to be something you're not. And he's not calling you to do something you can't. No matter how hard it may seem, God wants to work in you to help you be what you already are. The good news is, if you're a Christian, God's already done the impossible part. By a work of his Holy Spirit, you have been made holy. And now, through the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, he's calling you to walk that out. Having been made holy in Christ Jesus, he's calling you to be holy in your life. Now, when the world tells you to be yourself, it means something wildly different than that. When the world, when God says, be what you are, he's talking about who and what he's made you to be in his image and for his glory. When the world says to you, just be yourself, it's telling you to live any way you want to without regard for God or others. When God says, be what you are, be who you are, you must look to him to find out what that is. 
When the world says just be yourself, it's telling you to look inside yourself and do whatever you find there. But as I've already pointed out this morning, an awful lot of what you're going to find there is actually broken, twisted, off kilter. Just because it comes naturally doesn't mean it's right or good. Now, some of you have been told by people. Some of you have told yourselves, you're just a crook. You're a drunk. You're a coward. You're a lump. You're a liar. You're a lesbian. Let me stop here for just a moment. And I want to speak as lovingly as I know how to anyone struggling with same-sex attraction. Because the great lie that has been foisted on you is the lie that that is who you are. When the truth of the matter is, it's just a manifestation, one particular form of a brokenness in your life. Some people are naturally driven toward fits of rage. Some are naturally driven toward cowering in fear. Some are naturally drawn toward a, a, a compulsive, obsessive behaviors and addictions and the like. Some are naturally driven toward depression. Some people are naturally drawn toward heterosexual promiscuity. Some people are naturally drawn toward infidelity. Some people are naturally drawn toward same-sex relationships of a romantic or a sexual nature. The pull is very real. The pull is very deep. But it is not who or how God made you to be. Every one of those things I just mentioned, and a million others just like them, are contrary to the will and the design of God. And God never planned for you. He never designed you to be drawn to things or to be drawn to behaviors contrary to his will. And yet, because of sin, all of us are. But it's not who God's made us to be. And so we must never embrace it as if it were. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. By the way, that's the Greek verb hagiadzo again. You were made holy. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, I want you to notice here that Paul lists a whole bunch of things people could be that are contrary to the will of God. And the truth is, there are a lot of people in this room who were some of those very things. But then Paul goes on to say, that is what you were. But when you came to Jesus Christ, when you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you were washed, you were changed, you were hagiadzo, 
you were made holy. So that now you are no longer the thing you used to be. Someone might say, Pastor Billy, I, I still struggle with the same old stuff. When I get stressed, I tend to drink too much. If I'm up late at night, I check out porn. If things don't go my way, I sulk and I pout and I get really nasty. Let me be very, very clear. None of that is okay. None of that is okay. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's not who you are. You've been washed and justified and made holy. So having been made holy in Christ, you're now called to be holy. That you may still be struggling with a pull from those things does not change the fact that that's not who you are. Pray, trust, and do the hard work to live up to your high calling in God. I tell my basketball team all the time, it's one thing to miss a shot or turn the ball over. It's another thing entirely to miss a shot or turn the ball over and fail to hustle back on defense. We don't quit because we make a mistake. We don't quit when we stumble or fall. When you occasionally struggle, when you, when you blow it from time to time, remember who you really are. If you really are a child of God, confess and repent and get back in the game. Now, I do need to say this. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you're not a genuine follower of his, nothing that I've been talking about applies to you yet. If you're not in Christ, then you are, by definition, still in yourself. That means you probably really are a liar or a cheat or a coward or a lothario or whatever it is that's roiling around inside of you. If you've never given your life to Christ, those things really do define you. Because it's only when you surrender your life to Christ that you're washed and changed and made something else. He's willing to do that for you right now. But he is waiting for you to ask him. One last thing. The verb hagiadzo means to sanctify. It means to make holy. But it can also mean to set apart for a holy purpose. Here's what that means. If you are a follower of Jesus, you've been made holy in Christ Jesus and you've been set apart for holy purposes. Are you living like you believe that? It doesn't matter your station in life. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic place. It doesn't matter if you work at the law firm or the Starbucks or the whatever or you don't work at all. It doesn't matter if you're a student or a laborer or uh, an older person who's in retirement. None of that matters. Here's what matters. If you're in Christ... You've been set apart for the holy purposes of God. You are set apart for the purposes of God. Do you understand that in Christ you are not the last worst thing you did? In Christ you are not 
the last wrong thought you had. In Christ, you are not the last stupid thing you said. Do you understand that in Christ you have been made holy, set apart for God's holy purposes? God wants you to understand that. God wants you to walk in it. Having been made holy, to go be holy. When you get it wrong, repent and go be holy. And ask the Lord when you, before you get out of bed, what is your holy purpose today? I believe I am set apart for you. Show me where to go and what to do. That's the heart of God for you. And if you're not yet a Christian, that's the heart of God for you too. You just can't have it yet until you surrender your life to Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you um, as always for the power and the clarity of your word. Your word that shows us who you are, great and good in every way. Your word that shows us who we are, created in your image yet broken by the fall, called to new life in you by your son Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you for the power and the clarity of your word. Now, Spirit of God, work that word within us. Drive it down deep. Cause it to germinate and bear fruit in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. And